500 and growing, 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 growing. Podcast. Dedicated to the underdog, cause I see you Working on your craft, getting strong, cause I see you Ready to set it off and on, cause I see Correcting all that is wrong, cause I see Cause I see you, cause I see you, cause I see you All right, all right, so welcome to the 500 and Growing Podcast. We have Armando Perez. He's a super, super dope musician. Uh, He's a super dope person. He gives the biggest hugs. Uh, He he probably has a record on the longest hug at the party where you're just like, damn, he's really hugging me for a real, 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 real long time. But it's beautiful. It's beautiful because he means it. And so uh, now you know. Now, you know, when whenever you you see him at a party, you got to give him the big hug and you know, you're going to be there for a little while. So you might as well enjoy it. You got no choice. <laughs> you got no choice. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Armando Perez and I, we probably met in the 2000s. My my wife, a girlfriend then was part of a circle that Armando was was part of. And so we kind of intersected. I was uh, emceeing, producing, doing doing a whole bunch of hip hop stuff. And, and he was he had a, a couple of bands, one band that I, I didn't fully appreciate because I didn't know about it called Frequency Below. Ooh. And then Lovers in Arms. Ooh. Then now Eso Afro Jam Funk Beat Band. Ooh which is the dopest man like i really enjoy those shows a little bit more than i did lovers in arms because this one makes you dance like you have dance music and so you know one of the one of my previous guests was uh tyson uh dj new life right yeah new life man that's that's our that's the homie man yeah and so yeah like i i go to his sets and i just dance you know what i'm saying like that's that's what i'm there to do so it's like i'm not there to socialize i'm not there to talk um when he puts that jam on, you got to hit the floor, right? And so Esso, Afro Jam, Funk Beat uh, definitely does that. Everybody that's out in the virtual world, welcome Armando Perez from Eso Afro Jam Funk Beat and Sounds Event Chicago. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, y'all? What's up, y'all? Good to be here. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Um, It's great to be here. The podcast is really about being vulnerable. It's about how you found your life's mission yeah and what those difficult decisions were like right yeah because for me uh, i became a teacher and there's a sense of like maybe i became a teacher an art teacher because i was really scared to like put myself out there and like be 100 percent an artist and just dive off of that diving board and figure out what was going to happen later and so i admire people who did it you know what I'm saying? Because it took a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to to be able to do that. And what life choices you needed to make? What were the hard choices? Whether it be like personal, whether it be financial, right? Whatever it might be that made you the dope person that you are today and the person that's fully dedicated in what you do and made you a specialist in being a band manager, leader, and musician. So, So the first question is, what was it like growing up? What was your childhood like? 
Man, childhood was uh, interesting, man. You know, growing up in Chicago, uh, six or seven kids, right, man? So I saw three older brothers do their thing, two older sisters, and then later on, a little sister. So that's a lot of family, you know, uh, first generation American. So, you know, we had the whole, you know, we speak to your parents in Spanish, you know, and when school gets out, you go to Mexico, you know, and you uh, visit family out there and your grandparents and all. And uh, it's kind of a tale of two two worlds, not two cities, two worlds, because it was Chicago and then it was El Pueblo, Tlaltenango, and it was like farm life, you know what I mean, small town. And so you're raising animals, you know, and then you come back to the city and it's, uh, you know, uh, school and, and after school at the park. And um, it, it really was uh, learning to navigate your own emotions in such a um, a vast sort of interpersonal life of uh, big families, you know, for me. And I think coming later in the line, now that I think of it, now that I'm being asked this question, I think I analyzed a lot of my older brothers and sisters, uh, their behavior, my aunts and uncles, my parents, uh, school teachers, and just friends, you know what I mean? Um, even in grade school, it was very multicultural. Uh, I was, I had a, like a, a friend of every nationality. Um, and it was amazing. You know, um, my first best friend was Korean, you know, and then I had a African-American uh, and, and a Polish friend and um, a Puerto Rican friend and other Mexican friends. And I had white friends. I, I, it didn't matter, man. We were just hanging, you know. And um, so I, I feel like my childhood was very diverse, like from the jump. And uh, I think I did realize how important, you know, emotions were because I was kind of a shy kid, you know. But when I was comfortable around my friends, there was, you know, I, I think a little bit of the Joker came out, a little bit of the entertainer came out. Also being later in the family, like, you know, I was always, uh, you know, entertaining my brothers and sisters too, you know. So that's what life was like growing up, man. I think I saw perhaps some of the mistakes uh, the older kids made. So I learned from that. So I was on, kind of on the straight and narrow, you know what I mean? When you were a little kid, what, 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 what years were those? And then where were you growing up in Chicago? Um, so basically the area of, uh, Belmont Cragen, um, we moved there when I was five. Prior to that, we were like, um, west of Ukrainian village, mm -hmm. right? Like Pulaski and Chicago. That's where I grew up, right? I was born at St. Mary's right there on Western Division. And, uh, so when I was five, we moved to that neighborhood of Belmont Cragen mm -hmm. and, um, and yeah, that's that's where my upbringing happened, and I got all those friends, right? But the golden, I think the golden age is, is split because I I, I kind of have two upbringings. Mm -hmm. One being in Mexico, yeah, and I had like, yo, know, like some kind of a storybook life on the farm with my cousin because he was one year older than me, so he was showing me around. It was and crazy. this was in the summers, right? The summers, yeah. Okay, okay. Every summer we would go out there, mm -hmm. spend however long, month or two, and then come back home, and it's like. Yeah, well, yeah. Whoa, I have to go to this school and speak English and learn how to read and write, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but I would say maybe the tail end, I was, I was just playing sports as a kid. And the tail end of grade school was another golden age because I found music, you know. I was really interested in making my own mixtapes. You know, you get a little uh, a tape player and you're recording like the songs off of B96 and then you stop it before the announcer. And then you... Yeah. and then he announces the next song and he's already mixing the song and he's still talking so you're waiting until he's done talking so you can record the song again so i was making like filling tapes up with songs and 
Yeah, the pause stop tapes. You know it. You know it. Yeah. Um. So. So I think I got like one of those tape recorders when I was like in fifth grade. You know what I mean? And I was recording my tapes, and my brothers and sisters were handing me down their tapes. Um, they were like listening to like new wave at the time, like Depeche Mode and The Cure, you know. And I'm in like, Erasure. Yeah, I'm like in sixth grade, like New Order. What's this, you know? And um, so I was listening to stuff that even you know my my buddies were not listening to because they were listening to B B ninety six and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know all that stuff. Um, so if you're you know you're from Chicago, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, but yeah, then I eventually found my way to a guitar. I think it was in seventh or eighth grade when I asked for one, you know, and I finally got one. My pop, one of his coworkers had like the Sears, like knockoff, you know, Telecaster and it was a terrible guitar, but I learned how to tune it, whatever. Um, and like this crappy microphone and amp and it was from there, man. And I, I used that until I, uh, man, I, I think I played that thing till like sophomore year of high school. And then I was like, damn, I need something real. My fingers hurt, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, your, your, your nickname's Bloody Fingers. He's <laughs> just like, yo, he, just, he bleeds in it's every like, one of his sets, yo. You can't take my, my fingerprints because there's like there's like weird line marks in them. So you got the, the, the guitar when you were younger? Um, seventh, eighth grade. And then I, I also wanted to ask you, like, where are you in the seven brothers? I'm, I'm seven? the sixth. I'm the sixth of seven so you're the i'm the youngest uh, almost male. baby i'm the youngest male okay. i have a little sister after me so um so yeah i'm the i'm the youngest male yeah so wow. I have three older brothers two older sisters and one younger sister what was that like like what was it like being the baby boy man i maybe i got special treatment because i'm later on down the line you know yeah. what i mean and parents so, uh, were tired yo. you know they, they were like, like nah, let them go ahead and go to the party yo <laughs> like it's all good <laughs> exactly yeah yeah you can, we could trust yeah, whatever man we've been through it we've seen it all you know yeah. how bad could it be um so i think they were a bit more laxed with me and that allowed me some some you know some quiet time to myself i mean um so i was out with my friends all the time you know what i mean and, you know, when the sun would go down, you know, my mom would send my my brother Roberto to go get me at my friend's house, whatever. We'd be playing games and video games, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so so I was still cared for. Right. But I was allowed some freedoms, I want to say, you know, some time to be with my friends and do what I wanted to do. So in your childhood, what, what did you see growing up that you wanted to change? And it doesn't have to be within you. It could just be the world. Yeah, there was a lot of violence, you know, um. I did see, you know, growing up a lot of uh, violence, um, you know, that affected my family directly. Um, it's a little like vulnerable. It's a little personal um, to, to speak in great detail about it. But I saw like family members get hurt, you know what I mean? Physically in fights, get jumped, that sort of thing. Um, get in trouble, you know, with the law, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, I when you're growing up you don't know better you just think that's the way of the world but you feel some type of way about it and you know it's wrong because it feels wrong you know mm -hmm. so in in my in my small heart in my small mind i i wanted there to be a peace i didn't want the conflict i knew that much i didn't know how to stop it i'm too small i don't know i'm too young to know the difference but i knew in my heart something was wrong because you feel it you know what i mean so um man to answer that question i have to say man there was I, I i could do without the conflict i could do without that and so um you can't do anything but watch 
you know, when you're a kid. And um, yeah, it wasn't like family on family. It was always outside, you know, like neighbors or, you know, Chicago, bro, gang, gang violence. Fights, oh, yeah, for sure, I mean? bro. For sure, for sure. And it's crazy. So, um, I mean, so I grew up in Little Village, man. I know that I, I grew up on a border, on the yeah. border between two, two gangs. And so you would hear on the boulevard all the time, you'd hear the echoes of of the gangbangers calling each other you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying calling each other out like yo come on out yep let's yep. do this mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. be outside playing soccer and just seeing everything happen well, i'd be we'd be in the middle of gang fights like um you know playing sports at the park you know what i mean just there's a bottle flying and it crashes to the ground and you're like what was that you turn around and dudes are chasing each other you know it's like what is happening yeah you know and um it's frightening for a second but you know you kind of get used to it it's strange, right? It's For strange. sure. And you get, you learn how to navigate it. Mm-hmm. Like you learn when, when you start hearing those whistles, mm-hmm. you're either going to st- go inside or you're going to try to see what's going to happen and then potentially be part of it. Mm, that's where I would walk the other way. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. How did you stay away from that? How did you like what 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 led you away from that? To answer your question, though, even in grade school, sports and like yeah, the love of music before I started playing an instrument. That's what kept me, like I said, on the straight and narrow. Yeah. Right. I wasn't interested in doing anything else because it seemed wrong. It felt wrong. Right. So by the time I got into high school, I hadn't found hip hop until um, I, I want to say like the tail end of sophomore year. Yeah. Really. Because again, I, I got a guitar at seventh, eighth grade. So I'm learning to play guitar. I'm, pl- I'm playing guitar music. Yeah. Like rock. Right. A little bit more of rock. Um, by the Blues time. And stuff, yeah. Well, yeah, I would say, I would say like the first songs I learned are like Metallica or like Nirvana, stuff, okay, right? Okay. Like Pearl yeah, Jam, yeah. right? That sort of thing. Cause that's what was hitting at that time. Um, but I found hip hop later, um, but not before I had discovered punk rock. And yeah. that was even sort of an angular expressive uh, art, you know, and that was just emotional, you know, as opposed to musical. It was just, it was music, but it was more emotion. And then when I discovered hip hop, not too long after that punk rock, you know, I felt like they were the same thing. It was, it was an emotional music, you know, it was, it was subversive. It was rebel music. Oh yeah, It for sounded sure. different, you know yeah. what I mean? But it was the same concept. And that's where like, that's where my, my mind lit up about music as I was writing songs. I'm like, dog, this is all expression, you know, and these things can live together. And bands at the time, uh, we're blending both things. Um, and that's actually the genesis of a lot of bands like Rage Against Machine or sure. like uh, a Beastie Boys. You, you would listen to one of those records, you would hear punk rock and hip hop. And then, you know, the blend, the sonic blend in between of all those things. So it was like, oh, anything's possible. You know what I mean? This was before yeah, all of the smartphone streaming. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. You know what I mean? Like you had to go and buy a CD, bro, and like, listen to that buy a tape and front and back front and back because that's your only tape boom boom yeah and in new york it was just like uh any of the hip-hop acts that got out of the bronx that got out of brooklyn that got out of you know those boroughs and went to manhattan were doing it through punk rock so the punk rockers already had the clubs there and they were just like tag teaming and so there was definitely like a a cross pass of, of of those things Definitely, bro. I, I see that. And so it's interesting that you did it here in Chicago. So that was happening in New York and just that it was melding together in you in Chicago and not necessarily like super visible like it was in New York. Yeah. 
that i mean definitely i remember listening to uh a tape of this band um they were called the square roots and the uh, the record was called organics and it was a live band hip-hop act yeah and i was just like yeah perfect yeah you know so that's when like shit really started to i don't know anything was possible so in chicago we were already jamming and doing things whatever rock angular or not or beats we just started doing what we felt and being influenced by hip-hop and rock and all that stuff man you just put it all together you know yeah and they're beasts man like black thought is crazy what were your high school years like the development of becoming a person that was like Yo, I, I want to be a musician. Music, yeah. Well, so coming out of grade school, I was the only one who really got an instrument to play guitar, right? We would all sing, you know, after, you know, whatever, playing basketball or football, whatever, we would we would sing like uh, R&B acapella stuff, like, you know, Shy, you know, um, If I Ever Fall In Love. We probably sounded mm-hmm. terrible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we should sit in my front hall and do that with my little shitty mic and an amp. And and I think I remember my brother came in once. He's like, would you just stop? You know, either way. So I got the guitar. So I get to get to high school. I spend all freshman year looking for someone to play with. I don't find that person, bro. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, whatever, man. I'm still jamming, bro. I got my Guitar World magazine subscription. I'm learning to play all the tunes. Whatever. Oh, man. You're a nerd, dude. You're nerding. I was a geek. Nerding out. I was a geek for this, man. I, <laughs> yeah. I was like, music is my life. Boom. I love this, you know? Because it gave me like something for myself, man. It was it was like a, a therapy before I knew what therapy was. It was the way I passed my time. It was fun. I was learning something. And I could play stuff on the radio. It was cool. My brother used to challenge me. My brother Jay used to challenge me. He's like, play this Caifane song or this Mana song or so that stereo song. He used to be like, if you could play this, I'll give you 10 bucks. Ooh. So he'd play the song, right? And then and then he'd be like, all right, so here's the CD or here's the tape. You got one day. So I'd sit there and figure it out, bro, right? Yeah. Get, I get my 10 bucks. And he'd be like, all right, all right, you're doing good, you know? That's what's up. Um, either way. So by the time I get the sophomore year. That's that's like super motivational though, man. Like who? what brother was that again? Jaime. Jaime yeah. hooked you up with that dude. I think he like, did, bro. Because put he that was, little seed in you, like, <laughs> like, would you have done it if you if ten dollars wasn't part of the the deal? Like, I'm pretty sure that made you a little bit, gave you that little extra, like, I'm gonna challenge Motivation, myself, like, yeah. yo, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, it was it was the challenge that got me up to it because he would get a spark in his eye, like, can my little can this little dude do it? First of yeah. all, right. Second of all, he was exposing me to all the Spanish rock. Yeah, Mana, Caifanes, Soda Stereo dude you know and i was listening to that trying to figure it out on guitar because they're guitar based like bands and i'm listening to the records and and i'm wow this is this is different you know it's not like the english stuff right they got their own style yeah because like they start mixing cumbia and they start mixing like uh, reggae and they're doing like you know punk you know in the spanish style and i'm just like oh this all makes sense so yeah, he did hook it up, bro. He challenged me in a way that I needed to be challenged because yeah, for sure. Guitar World magazine is just teaching me all the English songs, you know, and popular English stuff. So, and you were going to Mexico too, so you were you were getting it from there. Like uh, that's where I got my rock in español. Yeah, yeah, man. So you you were vibing through all those scenes. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, so yeah, getting through and finally finding. Um, you know, someone to create music with, to play live music with. It was freshman, not freshman year, sophomore year. And um, I met this cat, Juan Lugo, and he became like my music homie, my music partner, right? And so we started to jam and play in bands together. 
and we play together to this day, bro. We play together in Esso, and we actually formed a band after the Lovers in Arms group called Hugo de Mango. And bro, it's just like we together. He and I have done our ten thousand hours. You know what I mean? Yeah, for and, sure. And so it's like a language we speak with each other, and forever love to that cat, man. But I, I think us uh, uh, finding each other. Um, I might be speaking too soon, but at least for me, finding him and being able to share that passion musically. I think um I think was was a turning point. That was a turning point to have a, a home a brother to do that with. Um he taught me how to solo, bro. You know what I mean? I was like, how how are you making it sound good and play those notes? He goes, It's a scale. Look. I was like, okay. Oh shit. And that, that changed my world. So what does he play? He plays he plays guitar. I he plays percussion. Well, we both started playing guitar, right? And okay. then like the evolution of us is like we start learning other instruments. Oh uh, yeah. so he played uh guitar and percussion in in well, we played guitar together and we would switch off guitar and bass in a lot of our bands coming up. We had a band called Tatwal, we had a band called The Cop Outs, um, we had a band um those were the two main ones, but we had a freeform sessions where it was all like, like live band, uh, hip hop. Um, and we did a lot of guitar and bass and, and congas and drums. We would just switch on and off. So we would learn stuff, you know? And, um, but yeah, in the SO, he, he jams, whatever, bro. He's an MC, he's a percussionist, he's a guitar player, he's a bass player. It depends, you know? That's dope, man, that you guys were so passionate, even like learning other instruments. Well, man, when it comes to like producing your own music and then i mean this is before you had loops like you had to play that you know what i mean you yeah. couldn't even sample it because it was on a, a tape four track or a digital four you got to play through it so you got to lay down your drum track it better be good you better yeah. keep a rhythm yeah for sure put down your bass there was no punch-ins well no not really <laughs> not really i hadn't even learned how to do that yet but yeah all the parts guitar parts the keyboard parts oh let me start to play some keyboard you know here and there but you know, learn what you can and, and make it sound as good as you can, you know, because, you know, it's for you first. But if someone if you catch someone's ear, that's dope, too. You know what I mean? You were the you were the probably the first person my age that was like, yeah, master. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, what? <laughs> I was like, yo, let me sit down with you. What, what sort of gear do you have? Yeah, you let know? me let me sit down and see how you do it. And, and you were just like, uh. I don't know. It was like it was very a very specific question that I didn't know how to answer, and I was just like, "I guess I'm never gonna learn how to master it." Oh, gee, bro. <laughs> I I think uh, that I think in my mind, I don't know. I, the first time I bought a CD burner, and this was not on a computer. This was a, a CD burner where you can make, you know, you put one CD in one tray and a blank CD in the other and make a copy, and you had a volume dial which which made you, you had a meter and you could see when it's at zero and when it's red and when it's peaking and when it's not. So I would sit there for every song and I would hold the meter and adjust it. I was like a, I was like a human compressor, bro. I didn't have a compressor. Yeah. And I would just sit there until like, you know, it was on zero as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I would do that over and over until it sounded even, right? And it sounded loud enough because I wasn't competing with radio levels, right? Little did I know the radio stations have like five compressors on everything. Yeah. But yeah, bro, it's it's been like a crazy dope journey. But damn, how much time did we spend, you know, in front of gear trying to make music? A lot of time, bro. Yeah, for sure, man. For yeah. sure. So Yeah, when I was uh when I was younger, uh in high school, like sophomore year, I was able to get a job. 
and uh it was by by belmont and like clark oh yeah and alley that's where the old guitar yeah, center was yeah, by yeah, Dunkin' yeah. Donuts. The, by by the army surplus store our favorite shop yeah yeah <laughs> you'd get some crazy ass knives there and nunchucks and shit because i was i was bombing you know what i'm saying so if somebody came up to me they were gonna get a nunchucks to oh. the grill you know what i'm saying so it's just like you we had the nunchucks that used to like telescope oh you'd be like yeah and all of a sudden you had nunchucks yeah my brother had those yeah yes he did but uh yeah man so i i used to sit down with some kids that went to the art institute oh okay and they were called blunt city crew they were from florida and so there were like some kids that got scholarships or like i don't know got their parents to pay for for them to go to the art institute but they would record music and they would record music at the art institute studios and so during that time man i was just like i'd be in the corner just watching just watching dude sometimes they let me get up on the mic and i was a whack toy ass mc at that point <laughs> so it's like i i listened to I, like <laughs> I don't know where, when I found it, but it was like I found some recordings and I was just like, damn, man, that was whack. But they let me get on and, and they really liked that I was like really into it. You know what I'm saying? And that I wouldn't bother them when they were really flowing and like doing their thing. And so, man, I learned what equipment to buy. I was like, oh, yo. Nice. And then when everything went digital, I was like, oh, even wow, better. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yes, like, yes. You could get a digital uh, compressor. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. That's Oh, that's built in? What the yeah you said that you were you you've been part of several bands like what's some of the learning experiences that you've had and and what are like some hardships because i know that there there have been like bands that you've ended mm -hmm. and and that had to have been heartbreak right because mm, yeah you put you put all your energy into something yeah for sure when you start a project you don't think about how it's gonna end you just give it your all right and whether it's um a band member or, or it's content, or it's ego, um, or it's comfort, like things come and go, right? Um, with all the bands, um, I feel like I did like give it my all and write and record, mix, you know, produce as best as I could without the concept of knowing, oh man, it's gonna end one day. You, you think, oh, this music's gonna stand the test of time, right? The music I'm making is now right and mm -hmm. it's just it's so good that it'll stand the test of time so my concept of it is it's like you're you're it's like an audio journal bro you know it's like when you write a book or whatever you know you put it out and so each record that i've been a part of i feel like is my story at that time so eventually and this is fast forwarding through kind of a lot when that project came to an end it was okay because the content is there, right? And the content is there. If you if you put it out, you can't feel bad about it, right? So so whether the band survives or it doesn't, it's like, hey, the music's there. I started a band and ended a band so many times, right? Over the course of the years, I don't think a lot of them were like, okay, this is this is I'm going to end this. It just sort of dissolves for whatever reason, and so the concept for me now is like, man, it, the music's greater than um what i think it takes for the music to happen so i'm more about the community now i'm more about building a community than i am about a band i'm gonna build a band here so if one band member can't continue on for whatever reason you have to let the music continue because it's not about anyone it's not about me it's about a movement it's about a feeling it's about 
you know bringing people together g you know what i mean like mm. that's the end result right that's what it's for now me as a songwriter as a, as a creator like i enjoy the process that's where i live in the process of it so when there is a record that's done i'm done you know what i mean i'm gonna push it right i'm gonna try to share it i'm gonna play shows behind it and all that um and i feel comfortable with that that is the process right it never ends um but every day is a new start every show like you do it again and i think there's fulfillment in that um and so that's the way i look at it right um so i have no regrets over you know something that may have ended a band or no regrets over like hey i put this out you know oh am i am i proud of it right now could i have done it better that doesn't matter because that's where i was mm -hmm. i'm here now that's very liberating man super liberating i'm so like free of it because man it don't get me wrong i got a lot of things that live on a hard drive that i've never seen the light of day but it's because at the time i wasn't ready so if at the time you're ready i would suggest any aspiring musician or producer or whatever put it out and move on and create the next thing you know because you're not you're not the same person you know you were 10 years ago or 20 years ago whatever you will always keep growing and every time you put out a project or a piece of music or a single demo that is you that's a marker right and so i, I learned to look at it like that very early on because um there are tapes out there that i made there are burn cds out there there are they're, they exist you know what i mean and that's good to put something physical out there now with the internet bro it'll live forever until you know yeah the uh, global emg or emp goes off and everything shuts off it'll live on an on a hard drive somewhere yeah. um and that's cool man um and so so when it comes to like oh how does it feel to to have like have had a certain project end it's like hey that's life it's know? a natural progression gee everything will come to an end what goes up must come down you yeah. know and so um you got to stand tall with your history and be proud of it and uh continue forward because there's you can't go back bro you know so were you ever faced with the proposition to live quote unquote like a normal life like a nine to five life and do music and if so like what was that decision like for you that was um i'd have to say that that's popped up a few times for me you know what i mean um but i find that i have given the nine to five a chance a few times you know to make better money to create a better life right to like quote unquote fit in right because mm -hmm. you always you know there's doubt everyone self-doubts getting mm -hmm. through that doubt that's the journey that's what's worth it but every time i tried this i would be sitting at you know whatever the job was and i wouldn't stop thinking about music bro i'd be sitting there writing lyrics when i shouldn't have been right yeah like my mind was not on my job no matter what it was and um that was that was telltale that was like all right let me just stop here i know perhaps at some point i'll be able to focus on something else but right now i gotta do music and i gotta find a way to make it like valuable i have to find a way to 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 live off of this so um it was the turning point for me when in my mind i said okay so i'm working 40 hours a week f at this job 
to make money. What if I worked 40 hours a week in music? How much can I make? Can it be equal? Can it be more? Is the enjoyment worth the trade-off if I'm making less? Quality of life. What am I going to do? That's when I, that's when I said, all right, I'm going to do music full-time, whatever it takes. And so I started like, okay, let me book like these evening things and let me, let me play at this uh, restaurant. Okay. All right. Well, maybe do a weekly out of this or a bi-weekly, right? Okay, cool. This is a set thing. I'm making a certain amount of money with these cats doing live music. Can I do it somewhere else again? Maybe. Okay, cool. So I got, all right, I got a second client. End up getting more nightly, like weeklies, right? Next thing I know, like a year and a half later, um, and this is mostly out of like playing live shows and people seeing you and then like having the confidence to go and make relationships. Um, I started having work Thursday, Friday, Saturdays. And then, you know, one of those days being, um, you know, a rehearsal day for those nights. And then you play a festival on the weekend as well. And then you're recording music the other times and maybe um, put out a record and, and see if you can make money like that. Go on the road and then make money. When you're on the road, you make money with every show. And if you have records to sell, you'll make more money. And if you have t-shirts to sell, you'll make more money, right? So navigating that like and getting your business hat on yeah for sure that really like got me to a better place um the merch the merch is where it's at merch is merch is good but you can't sell merch unless you put on a good show yeah so it's like all right so you got to book the show you got to play a good show right and then you got to like have the merch (laughs) which is an investment right so hire the person that's gonna be there at or, the merch table or while you're playing or you hustle to the merch table after the after show, the show right, like, oh, right. <laughs> open up the boxes real quick or yeah a dedicated band member does the merch right yeah um needless to say like i couldn't do this all myself but i think having the plan and our and and putting the plan in action really is what made it happen i had a lot of help along the way like uh bookers who helped me uh introducing me to new venues um I mean, there's so many, so many heads that make Chicago work. Right. And so I'm just one little part of it, but, but I was able to work it out in such a way where I'm like, all right, man, this is mine. I won't even call it a nine to five because I enjoyed it so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. When people say nine to five, I think it it carries a connotation of like, I'm trapped, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, So you're like, everybody imagines like a cubicle. Right. Yeah, the like 95 cubicle, is a yo. cubicle. Like, Downtown. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm in front of a screen. And you know what? I was I was uh, in a place in my life where I was lucky enough where I could like take the chance. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have any like outright crazy responsibilities that I had to take care of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I got a lot of close partners that didn't have that opportunity. Were so talented, but couldn't like say all right well i'm gonna give it my all and do try this yeah i got kids for my life right whatever it may be and you know i gotta take care of family even if it's not kids or you know i got like x y and z that i gotta put first and so i I consider myself like like very lucky to even be able to take that chance you know so i give gratitude to to the energies that be to to afford me this opportunity to just be in this position and you know being raised the way i was i'm I'm pretty cut out for it bro you know i've been pretty cut out for it up to this time so um 
I mean, your brother was challenging you, man, like from then. And they were feeding me new music. They were feeding me alternatives, you know what I mean, to what I was hearing that I was already absorbing. And then just the the two the dual lives and, you know, soaking it all in, like I was man, I was just li- I was like a little sponge, bro, taking it taking it all in. And then my geekiness, like I would write a lot, you know what I mean? So um I would just geek out on on content, you know, on stories on um rhyme you know what i mean uh it's it's been huge to me and then being bilingual and what that meant to me and and finally learning to like uh, trust my culture and write in spanish that took a long time bro you know what i mean i would write in english for the longest time yeah and then finally like man you know what it feels better to sing in spanish for me it does yeah does it it does what 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 about it feels better to you i don't feel like I don't feel like it's it's um like the cadence well yes but i feel like it 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 comes more naturally for me like when i'm singing i feel better when i sing in spanish i don't know why bro actually i think it's just a feeling that i get or or it's um truer to like my inner self somehow because speaking english is kind of foreign uh to me i like i'm again i'm six or seven my brothers and sisters speaking to me in english learning english in school but with my parents always spanish right so there was like this feeling of tradition this feeling of like origin you know with with spanish you know and then a a lot of my experience in mexico was when i was a kid so it's like it's like almost like i feel that innocence you know when i speak spanish because that was my that was like i was just chilling with my cousin and, and talking to my aunts and my grandparents in spanish and then I come back to the States and see all this violence in English. I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it. But yeah, Spanish feels good to me, man. It feels good. Um, it feels real to me. And so Eso has Spanish songs, no? Yeah, G. So we started playing like as an instrumental, like Afro uh, beat funk um, experiment, like kind of like a jam. Um in jazz music, you have your band that plays and then you take solos. You're talking to yourself musically. You're talking, you're having a conversation musically. And I just wanted, you know, jazz, you, people don't really dance to jazz, but funk, yes. And Afrobeat, yes. And it was like with our house music, you know, um, background, you know, we were clubbing. Yeah. By the time we were in mid-high school and out of high school. And and the concept of having those jazz like structures where you where you do a head and then everyone has their uh solo time and then you do the a bridge and then go back into the head and then the song's over but with funk with like Afrobeat, with like danceable like influence in there and then really wasn't uh, uh doing too much spanish music at the time um uh my work in hugo de mango and some work in los mineros we Juan and I were writing a lot of Spanish music, but it was like always intermixed with English. And um, it wasn't like, hey, man, we're going to make people dance. You know what I mean? Whereas us, it was like, this is a dance party for sure. Yeah, it's definitely different from Lovers in Arms. Oh, no doubt. So that was like indie rock, right? Yeah. And Frequency Below was like indie rock. And, um, you know, that's where it's like, it does. The, there is no dance floor. It's more like, how creative can you be and make it sound good? You know, how how um uh how alternative right how how creative can you can you come up with something totally new and still like catch someone's ear you know what i mean yeah 
it wasn't like Lola's juke, you know. Let's fucking <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. It's like when you go when you go to those parties or those concerts, like everybody's just standing there listening to the music, right? It's just right. like the, there's there's a there's a beauty to that, right? Like when you listen to classical sure. music, you just sit there and you're just like, oh man, Vivaldi, right? Right. There's there's yeah, the, there's an appreciation for the music. Um, like I love like shoegaze, right? That's uh-huh. some cool ass shit. Shoegaze fools are straight looking at the ground playing that shit right yeah. <laughs> shoe, shoe gaze right they're looking at their shoes um <laughs> nice. but uh but but down the line like um and listening and opening my mind to more of like you know like for instance like fanya where you would have like this big dance band party and then there's group singing that's that really opened up my mind bro i was like wow that we could put some messages in here and just keep it keep it be a big jam you know what i mean and then um the further on like we got with that so the more experiences we had with audiences and just like the synergy that happened there and like learning um what our forte was learning what our what our strengths were and our niche and starting to write for that like going on tour bro you meet a lot of people and you see like how your music affects them and you want to stay effective and you want to continue to like not only please yourself but also like move an audience bro you know what i mean yeah so so as the records progressed and we were experimenting more um with like we were already messing with like dance music in all of its forms and then starting to really see what what like reggaeton and cumbia and 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 like hip-hop and like samba and and how all those things blend and those are latin rhythms and you know what i mean and if you can incorporate them and do something creative and still have a message with your lyrics in there i was like this is this is the bread and butter you know this i mean when you said when, when when you said fanya like it, it totally clicks right because fanya sense. was all about was all about messages right like willie colon yeah you they, know what i'm saying they like, had some uh, dope stuff bro um yeah man i i got some records that blew me away man um and i you know they were they were a lot of good time stuff um in terms of the like the lyrics there's a lot, a lot of gozadera goza 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 like have a good time it was their release you know yeah. um in in the clubs that they were doing and at the time that they were doing it it was man it was groundbreaking but i didn't know about fania until pretty later i mean i knew about celia cruz bro you know i knew about ruben blades right yeah but going back to like what hector lavo was doing yeah and and yo whoa you know i was just like i was that that really blew me away in that next uh chapter of my life you know what i mean you know when that when i when i discovered fanya was at borders messing around with the oh, with man. the cds like oh, you'd bro. scan the cds and like listen to them yeah ah oh, dude i would just be like yo oh, cool man what you, i had a similar experience man with buena vista social club Ooh, at borders yeah. bro and like when they did their whole collection and you had eliades ochoa and you had ruben gonzalez and and my favorite barbarito torres and the ibrahim ferrer and compay segundo you out they were like they were inundating me right out of high school, bro. But it was so far. Like, like I was still in my, my city world. I couldn't understand what that music was when I was listening to it at, at the like sort of tail end of high school. I was like, damn, this shit is hot. Yeah. I can't decode it. 
I don't know about these rhythms yet. It took me some years to get there, right? Yeah. It's the same thing that happened when I first started playing guitar. And um, uh, one of my um, mentors, he didn't even know it. He was just this older kid named George uh, who showed me my first Metallica riffs and shit. Um, he was like, you, you listen to Hendrix? I'm like, Hendrix? So I, so I listened to some Hendrix and I didn't get it. I'm like, man, this, this sounds messy. I don't get it. I don't like it, George. You know, he's like, you will. I don't know when it happened, but it was after like maybe a year later that I listened to, to Hendrix again. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the shit. This is man. dope, you know? And so I wasn't ready for it at a certain time, but you know, sometime later I was ready for it. And then I got into like all types of stuff like Stevie Ray Vaughan, Wes Montgomery blew my mind out of high school, bro. Wes Montgomery is like, again, I couldn't, I couldn't conceive of it and I wasn't exposed to it you know, in high school, um, the way I, I wish I was, man, you know, we didn't have music classes, man, you know, uh -huh. bro, where did you go to high school? Man? I went to Lane Tech, right? Okay. All right. But, but I you did, didn't have a music, they, they had a music program, which I didn't choose Ooh. like out of grade school. Damn, for real, bro. Time, time like out, you, time out, time <laughs> hold out. up, bro. Okay. Okay. Here's a little snag out of grade school. Right. Um, you know, when you're, when you're selecting your, your major area of study, right. Major. Yeah. I didn't know what to pick and I was sort of afraid to, to pick music and art. I was afraid to. And I asked my older sister, Susie, who's like, yo, she's damn. She's like my life. Like, wow. She changed my life. Like just with who she is. I was, you know, with all the trust I had in her, I was like, Hey, what should I choose? She goes like, well, let me see. Let me see what your options are. I think you should do math and science. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so treated. So, so, <laughs> <laughs> so yo, yo so i did that man and so let's I, study I didn't pie do the, today yeah, i didn't do the music program wow. i wasn't in the band i didn't do art classes Damn. i was doing geological earth sciences uh i made it you know it's chemistry and all it was a tough road bro for a creative kid but it, it, it i mean it made you who you are you know right okay I, i'll accept that because a lot it made you fight for it I, I, yes that's I think that might be the better point. It made me it made me um really yearn for my creative time. Right? It made me like really want to pursue something. Um <laughs> that wasn't math and science. Man, that that kind of reminds me of like when I was becoming a teacher. So, I was going to college. I was I was ready to to like declare that I wanted to do education, secondary education, and then you have to do a double major when you're a teacher. So you do secondary ed or elementary ed, and then you do like history or you do uh, science or whatever, right? And so I had a I have a friend that's actually that was part of five hundred uh, nations. He moved to Arizona, had a baby out there, and stayed out there. His name's Mav or Rick is his real name, but his name is Mav. He does some really good music out there, and so um, his mom was like. Uh, a principal that started working at central office, which is like where all the CPS heads work. And so I was just like, yo, you know, I'm going to be a teacher, you know, and I don't know, like right now they need like science teachers. They need math teachers. Uh, what kind of teacher do you think I should be? Or like, kind of like, that's what I asked her. And she was like, well, what do you like doing? I was like, well, I like making art. It's like them being art teacher. I was like, you must be crazy lady. <laughs> Like, there are no art jobs, man. There's As a no matter of thing. fact, right now, they're <laughs> cutting all these programs. Like, 
2005 where it was just like they started cutting out all these programs and i was just like yo it's gonna be hard she was like you're going to be doing this for a really big portion of your life you might as well do what you love to do and you're gonna beat everybody out because you're gonna be passionate about what you do that was the best advice that i could ever have but i wish i would have just like dove there, there's a part of me that's like damn what would have happened if i would have just like really hit emceeing hard as hell but the one thing that did did it for me was my mom got cancer in 2006 and she passed away and so it was just like i stepped away from the scene when i came back and i was all right like i had to go through my mourning process and it was just like rough because you, you see your hero kind of just broken down it was just like all the faces had changed so hanging out till three o'clock in the morning to meet people wasn't an option anymore you know what i'm saying and it was just like i felt like that that time that i had to give like that freedom that you had was like very um ephemeral at that time it was just like it was running out for me yeah i had a similar experience man actually and that was a very big turning point um my pop he, he passed of cancer as well and he, he struggled with it for years um he passed in 2013 and um you know, that's when I really got serious, man. You know what I mean? Um, I was like, man, life is too short. And um, he always supported me in my music. And, um, you know, so then I started to dedicate my performances to him, you know, and just in my own heart, in my own head, you know. And I said it out loud on the mic several times. And it, and it gives me strength. Um, but that, that was a turning point of seriousness for me. And, you know, I, I did stop going out and being social. You know what I mean? I, I started to focus more and um, get my, I want to say, like, my organization together, really. Like, um, starting a band is an organization. You know what I mean? Being a For producer sure. is an organization. Like, I want to. They're separate jobs. Bro, you got to wear all the hats. You know, I feel like I got a lot of hats, you know, and I've had a lot of hats. But, um, but at that point when I lost him, I was like, wow, man, I need to, I can't mess around anymore i can't i can't call this um you know um an escape this is who i am this is not me you know being the alternate version of me and then i wake up tomorrow and i'm a different version just to get off of work and then be that other version that i really like this is me so let me make this as let me be as professional as i can be you know what i mean i'm not gonna mess around i'm not gonna waste my time or anyone else's time and i'm not gonna let anyone waste my time you know what i mean and so you, I started to take myself a little bit more seriously with this. Um, and, um, and yeah, man, I think, um, yeah, I often think, oh, man, you know, I, is this a good uh, way to spend my time? And I, I think it is. And I think um, you have to get to that point where you realize that you want to be serious in, in how you spend your days. And um, I think that's the biggest change. That was, a, that was a huge turning point. When you have that sort of loss and you ask yourself, you know, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Is it worth it? And then when you get your answer, what is worth it? Then you, you uh, attack it and it becomes like what you're known for, you know? No, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. Like when my mom passed away, it's like, um, you figure out that, that, uh, that life isn't guaranteed, right? From an instant, like she, she got cancer. Well, she, she was a chain smoker. And she smoked so much that like I, w I was speaking to your wife the other day. Yeah. 
that like I went to high school and like deans would stop me and be like, yo, you got to come with me to the office. Like you've been smoking and then <laughs> call my mom me, and it was it me. me. <laughs> it was like all the smoke in my crib that went through my clothes, you know? Yeah. And so it was that bad. And so I remember having conversations with her like, yo, there's going to be a day. Mm. There's going to be a day. And kind of like just being a jerk to try to get her to stop. But mm. I never expected it to actually like happen. Yeah. And when it happened, it was just like, it was wild, man. That's funny, man. Um, my wife, Rebecca, shout out Rebecca. Um, she used to break her mom's cigarettes and Ooh, out, she probably I mean? hated that. Bro. <laughs> she used to break the cigarettes and, um, and she was fighting the good fight to try and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 just yeah. keep sort of a healthier, um, um, I don't know. So, so kind of support by, eliminating the option of smoking i don't yeah, know bro. For sure. i mean but, i'm pretty sure mom was pissed dude i mean you got to do what you can if you love somebody right for even sure. if it hurts for sure goodness man. gracious but it was just like <laughs> man <laughs> i saw how my mom fiended for it like mm. she used to smoke a pack a day so you know what i'm saying like by the end where it was just like it was pretty rough yeah she they and then they they hiked up the taxes here in illinois mm. So she had to like, whenever she went to Mexico or to Puerto Rico, she would get boxes and then bring them back because mm. they were cheaper. Oh man. And those tigres out there didn't have filters, bro. <laughs> my, my grandpa, he, he, he did the same thing. You know what I mean? He smoked all his life, lived to like reach his nineties. You know what I mean? And yeah. smoking cigarettes with no filter, bro. Yeah. I guess they might be healthier. No additives the way they made them back in the day. Maybe. I don't know. What do I know? Yeah. I don't smoke cigarettes, bro. But let, let's get back to your dad because yeah. I think that that's like a, I mean that that ha that's an impactful moment that yeah. like changes and reverberates your whole life. It shakes your foundation. Yeah. On the surface level, it, it it made me focus in my on my music. I figured out that life isn't guaranteed, right? And that if I'm gonna dedicate something, I'm gonna really attack it and be 100 about it. What did it do to you creatively? And how did it affect you personally, not just even musically? What was that like? What was uh, that that grieving and mourning like if if there was? You know, I, I spent so much time with him, um, legit, like through the years, knowing that he was suffering, that um I knew How many years, by the way? Um, man, he suffered with it for like eight years on and off. Okay. You know, he was in remission for a time and then it hit him hard again. Okay. And then remission and then you know what i'm saying yeah. that sort of deal fighter man bro he fought no doubt um and um so yeah i i spent a lot of time as much as i could uh i spent uh some time away like after high school i moved away i went to the west coast san francisco you know mm -hmm. so uh, i stayed out there studied jazz um lived with heads uh lived a life very different from my chicago life mm -hmm. and learned a lot of things out there um, that I couldn't have learned here or in Mexico or anywhere else. And um, being out there, I realized like how important my family was to me because they weren't around, right? So I'd start to miss them on holidays in a different way. And, you know, it's like being so far away, I was like, man, you know, this, our time is numbered. Our, 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 our days are numbered. So when I eventually came back to Chicago, that's when I became friends with my parents prior to leaving they were just my parents my authority mm -hmm. figure yeah the people who were trying to keep me down you know yeah, 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 like, yeah, from sure. like my freedoms or trying to tell me what i didn't want to hear i was inexperienced i don't know what's right for me and i just want to do my thing and be young and party like any other young kid yeah they didn't trust you yet 
I mean, I don't think that they, I don't know about trust. I, I'm sure that they thought I had a lot to learn and I didn't know what was best yet. Yeah. Um, you know, but by the time I went out and had my personal experiences and I came back, that's when I became friends. And so my pop would, and I would spend time together playing cards, um, you know, you know, um, playing pool and, um, just talking, man, just sitting there and talking. He was hard of hearing. So I had to get real close to him. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we spend a lot of time together. And, um, so by the time cancer took him, finally, I knew that I had done everything I could. Right. And yeah. so it was like, it hurt. Don't get me wrong. It hurt, but it was, he's at peace now. You know what I mean? He knows that we did everything and, and to spend time with him. And, you know, I feel very like, I'm, I'm filled with gratitude just having had that opportunity to do that. Um, so in terms of the morning process, it was re it was rough, but I did have the support of Rebecca, which was on like, whoa, I, I don't think I would have gotten through the way I did without her for sure. She was a rock and strength for not only me, but my family. Um, and, and I don't think the music was affected too much. Um, I had already like dedicated myself to to a, a music that I think he could be. He didn't understand it. He didn't understand his music, but he could be proud of what I was doing. Yeah. Um. And that gave me strength too, bro. Um. So yeah, the morning process wasn't too crazy, man. I, I want to say that I live my life, and we're not even talking about music, but I live my life in service, like to my family and to those that i love and i think he did the same and i learned that from him so he'd be proud of that and i think that's that was the biggest change in my personal life but yeah losing him definitely is like oh man put your best foot forward all the time and and make a plan and work that plan and like you know be um reliable and show up and do the work like he he's like the american dream bro you know he came over here again i'm first generation all of us right He's an immigrant. My mom's an immigrant. And um, they they worked their lives and provided for their family and worked their way up and, and bought a house. And that's the American dream, bro. They lived it. Yeah, for sure. It's man. not possible now. It's too expensive. You can't, you can't do that. I don't know. I don't know that you can. Um, things are really crazy right now. But he, he and she did sort of lived the american dream bro. yeah for sure i mean and when they came around that time we were an industrial nation we were still creating things so those jobs were available for people and right. so you could work in a factory and get, get a house that's what he did bro yeah that's exactly what he did and there are no factories anymore not really <laughs> and the only things that are working really. are, are irobots you know it bro irobot I, I just did a workshop with uh brother ali uh during the pandemic i guess he he was sharing his knowledge, right? Like a lot of musicians were were kind of in a hard place. So what he did was he he made like these workshops, these writing workshops, and then he made this other workshop that was about like industry and like how how to engage the industry. And it was just like, man, if I would have had that workshop back then, like known the percentage of like how much you pay people, how much people how much you you can get for a show, like what you have to look out for, like how much a tour bus costs. Like that was all stuff that he was going through. I never learned how to do that. You do that. That's amazing that you learned all of these hats. How do you do it? Man, so so best way to answer that is when you do something for a long time, right? You learn little by little. So um, 
Damn, that's a loaded ass question. But I mean, because it, it, it's super amazing. Well, it's it's a step by step thing, right? So it's like, um, all right, so you start right. You you you're the songwriter, right? And then you write the song, and then you record it, right? You got to make it sound good, so you got to ma- uh, mix it. I'm not even thinking about mastering, but like you got to mix it. Once you do get it mastered, whether it's by yourself or someone else, preferably someone else, because as you just said, you learned like you're too close to it. And I learned that early on too. Um, you, you have a product, right? And then you have to have art that's appealing and you have to design something that you think is going to connect with your audience. I wasn't thinking that way either in the beginning. It's just like, I'm a dope art. I'm going to be creative, right? So People I'm, are going to love I'm, this. I'm going to be creative. This shit is hot, right? <laughs> but you're not thinking yet that, it, that it's a product. You're not thinking that way. And that's okay. But at some point when you want to sell your quote unquote product, your art, I prefer to call it, um, man, you got you have to find a way to their um, appeal to their senses, whether that's visual or you have the good fortune of being on the radio. Um, But there's so much more to that, like touring. That's a whole different beast, bro, because you have to have relationships. You have to have like some connections to the outside world. You can do something like um, an indie uh, Bible, which is uh, a book that has contacts for all the clubs. This was before internet, right? Directories, really. Yeah, for sure. It was an indie Bible. And, um, you know, there are programs now like uh, programs, websites like uh, Indie on the Move, where where they'll connect you with like X amount of... um, venues right and so you gotta you gotta put your time in man it's like the ten thousand hours where you go and tour and you hit little cities and then while you're in that city doing your show whether you like the venue or not you hear about the better venue right when you if you gotta ask about it oh yeah yeah, where else do you play you know so there's a lot of social uh where's the hot spot you know what i mean now if you're a group that you know gets picked up by a label and you have a booking agent that's different if you're diy you got to learn to do it all yourself. And, you know, now you have the tools to do that, like with websites. And like I said, the the magazine in like um, the indie touring Bible or whatever. But it was all hitting the pavement. You know what I mean? Learning to do that. Um, the whole, you know, investing in yourself um, to to make money, like you have to put money in. Right. You're, you're pressing a CD. All right, bro, you're going to put uh, um, 500 bucks in. You better be able to pull 500 bucks out of it. So you get your money back plus 500. You got to be able to do that, at least so the music can pay for itself. So with the, with the money that you make, make the next CD. You know what I mean? Yeah. And keep reinvesting. And um, it'll eventually happen. So this uh, where I'm at right now, it's years of reinvestment. Years. I've put so much time and money into it that it's like, okay, I see and people see like what it is or what it's worth or, you know, that there is a history to it. Right. And bro, if, I mean, if you really dedicate yourself to it, by the time you, you realize it, I think you have a pretty good footprint. You know what I mean? You have um, learned what all those hats mean, uh, learned what you're worth. You know, if I get asked to do a festival, I know what I'm worth now. So it's like, okay, I'm going to ask for that amount. If they can't, if they can't pay that amount, I'm not going to play it. If they can, or if it's for a cause that I believe in, I'll play a show for free if it's for a cause that I believe in, right? Yeah. That's, that's why I don't like really doing shows where I have to sell tickets, bro. Really? 
how many tickets have I, how many shows have I played that I, that I have to worry about bringing people? It's not really about that, man, you know? So I'd rather do shows where it's like, it's already funded and it's free to the public. You know, I want to reach like kids. I remember being a kid and seeing a band playing. I'm just like, whoa, whoa. My eyes were wide open and, and inspiring dog. It's so inspiring. You know, like I've reached, I'm not concerned about turning on the cool kids. You know, that's, over and done with it doesn't matter you're not going to reach them anyway like they're on their own thing (laughs) if you do reach them cool and if you want to reach them that's cool too but at some point like you're just going to say look what i do and my time is valuable so much so that i want to make this like i want to make this as easy as possible for everyone involved yeah and there are a lot of programs out there right there's a lot of money out there and if you could just value yourself enough and 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 i guess um touch those channels and get in touch with those channels that like you'll be able to do the shows you want to do or or get your material to the right people that are interested in you it's like finding your audience right again and and knowing your worth um all those things will teach you what you need to know but you gotta gotta be dedicated man you can't half-ass it yeah. oh yeah i'll do it tomorrow man oh i need to do i know i need to do this but for some reason you never do it make the time bro turn off the tv bro for it was sure. a long time in my life where i scorned everybody that i knew for watching tv i'm like you're not getting anything done that's killing your brain for like years i would not watch the tv or listen to radio bro i was just like I'm, I'm writing my shit yeah yeah yeah. I'm doing my thing i still don't listen to the radio man <laughs> <laughs> people are like they're like I listen to WGCI, you know, I'm like, nah, not really, yo. Right. Like, I, right. I don't, I don't, because all that stuff is repeated and it's yes. just, it's, it's junk. It's McDonald's. Right. Yes. I would rather have something hearty, something, that's, something, something soulful, something that's, good. That's like big business. Listen to the radios, like going to shop at Walmart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're not going to find anything new, really. Um, so it's you, regurgitated. You got to, yeah, you got to kind of dig, bro. Um, radio is like consumerism. As a DJ, you got to know what's on the radio, right? Um, I don't even like touch on that, but like that's that's definitely a whole pop realm that exists apart from plant from creating music and being in the live band. You know what I mean? So for sure, man. I mean, I mean, I went to go see uh, Tyson the other day, and and the club was definitely different, and they were vibing to some music I never heard of, mm. but it was like everybody was on it, and it was just like mad negative music like one dj was just playing some some music that was just like okay kind of gritty sexualized and he was just like all right okay kind of trying to vibe to it but it was just like it wasn't my my scene not not my music you know and and it was just like um it's interesting it's interesting that that people are tuned into that to that corporate Mm -hmm. that corporate music yeah, and that's D- what they know yeah I, i'd have to say djs um sometimes have a, a tricky time reading an audience you know what i mean sometimes they have a tricky time reading an audience because bro there's so much music out there there's so much now like more than ever before there's more sure. people making music it's easier to make music and then um man if you go on any streaming service bro oh my god I forget the stat, but there's like thousands and thousands of songs that go up brand new every day. It's like, it's like disposable. You know what I mean? If you had to give somebody advice, like a little kid, even an adult, like just visualize somebody, visualize yourself. 
right? Like as an adult or maybe as a little kid, like what would you, if, if somebody was really thinking about doing music or just anything in their life, what would you tell them about pursuing their passion? Give it your all, but be honest with yourself. You know what I mean? Um, sometimes we're in a place where we don't know what we want, but we know what we like. Right. And so we'll pursue what we like um, without even thinking about if this if it's going to be fulfilling or in the long run or if it's the best idea or not. So I'd, I'd ask them to be honest with themselves. If it's something they really want to do and they're passionate about it, give it your all. Do it as best as you can and try to find a mentor. Try to find somebody who does it, who can give you advice or help you or whatever like it's so important, man. It's so important to have that person challenging you, you know what I mean? Giving you um, advice or insight or direction. Um, that is the biggest um, because you'll learn so much faster. You know what I mean? Um, you can learn all the lessons yourself, you know, over 10 years or you can learn in 10 weeks. You know what I mean? If you got somebody helping you. Um, and so, so I would try to recommend or advise that if you're interested in something find somebody who you can learn from and and work with them and give it your all because there's nothing holding you back except you you know what i mean yeah um so so having somebody to to help you along is is worth more than anything yeah that's what i would say and bro, you remember when you rocked the mic with us at that convention, whatever it was? Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, That yeah. was so much fun, bro. Yeah, that was. And that's like an exchange that we share. And that's actually the epitome of what I'm trying to relay right now. Just having that experience of togetherness, like making music. Like, yeah. again, it's another language, man. No, yeah. I remember when you asked, I was just like, you want to get up on stage? I was like, I don't remember the song. I, I was like downstairs, like <laughs> listening to the track and like... <laughs> doing my lyrics over and over and over again because it's just like damn if you don't if you don't it's like exercise we were talking about it downstairs like if you don't if you don't exercise you're, you you're gonna practice. be rusty you gotta practice yeah, your 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 rhyme or your your passage or your lines or your beat whatever practice and and just be comfortable and have fun and it'll be fine if you're having fun it was fine yeah and no one cares if you fucked up on a note if you're smiling and you're fucking everything up that's okay sorry if i'm not if i can't cuss on no no yeah you're good. <laughs> but if you're having fun that's all that matters man and um you know that's it's contagious that's the cool thing about having fun is it's contagious so yeah where, where can uh the audience find your your music or connect with you and yeah um i think um primarily the main outlet for me is sofunk.com and that's where i'll you know uh perform with with so afro jam funk beat on festival stages or whatever and it's again i'm trying to do it so it's always free and it's always all ages and it's always outdoors that's what i want for that try to get out to as many places as we can we've toured so much but man life is getting so busy it's hard to be on the road now you know what i mean but um but yeah to answer your question, Sofunk, E-S-S-O-F-U-N-K dot com. And that'll, yeah, that has all the links for everywhere else. So yeah, reach out, man. We want to play some live music or, or jam or collaborate or something. And, you know, just build that community because, I mean, we're only here for a certain amount of time. All right, bro. Well, here you have it. Uh, Armando Perez, 
otherwise known as Mondo, uh, gives super, super tight hugs. And they're very long, so just make sure that you're ready for that. Uh, whenever he sees you, he hugs you and he means it. Thank you. With G. that, thank you for coming, man. Thank you for coming and thank you for, for, for letting people know your personal story. You know, like Kasha and I were talking and he was like, Mondo. And I was like, yeah. He's like, do, do you know anything about Mondo? And so, you know, we, we definitely got to hear parts of your story that maybe people haven't heard. And so... Uh, definitely inspirational, brother. And thank, thank you for you, coming, G. man. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for having me, man. 500 and growing. Don't stop, man. You know what I'm saying? Forever, yeah. forever, yeah. forever, so forever, ever, forever, ever. Yeah. So 500 and growing podcast. Uh, here we go. And thank you. 500 and growing, 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 growing. Podcast. Dedicated to the underdog Cause I see you Working on your craft Getting strong Cause I see you Ready to set it off and on Cause I see you Correcting all that is wrong Cause I see you Dedicated to your craft Read and study the math Making goals and taking a stand Original so you trailblaze a path In tune with your inner master plan 500 and growing Visit 500andgrowing.com For more creative content Thank you for listening to the 500 and Coin podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe. Uh, we have incredible guests lined up that will be sharing how they came to be extraordinary at whatever they do. And stay tuned. Follow at 500 and Growing podcast on Instagram for updates. And also visit 500andgrowing.com for more creative content.